Hey, Marcus. Yo. You like movies? Yes, I do. Did you know that the great trouble in human life is that looking and eating are two different operations? Only beyond the sky in the country inhabited by God are they one and the same operation. Children feel this trouble already when they look at a cake for a long time, almost regretting that it should have to be eaten and yet are unable to help eating it. It may be that vice, depravity, and crime are nearly always, or even perhaps always, in their essence, attempts to eat beauty. I'm snapping like at the New York Poetry Cafe. That's, that, that is from Simone Weil, uh -huh. uh, a philosopher, mystic, and uh, French icon who who I'm going to be talking about a little bit on on this episode from from a which was quoted in a very good article Vapor Wave and Simone Weil's Void by Scott Bouchamp but more importantly this is Zebras in America episode 119 recording wow. from the quarantine we should finally have the the vocals fixed on this one oh yeah um Marcus how have you been doing these days uh, <clears throat> doing okay. Did you have milk <laughs> again today? No, <laughs> no, no. I ate some, some tortilla chips just before we started recording. Let me get some water. Uh, no, but, uh, oh, yeah. <clears throat> I'm, oh, I'm, I'm all right. I guess I'm on the job search, but, uh, other than that, I'm, I'm doing all right. Capitalism, am I right? Seriously, I'm I'm bummed for so many. Again, anyone that's listening, these episodes work as, as episodes for enjoying media during the quarantine. But I hope they're also timeless. But at this time, all all the all the things that I was looking forward to have been canceled. Yeah. You know? Yeah. One in, 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 in particular, what what's that? What's the what's one big thing in particular? So we were supposed to see Tinder sticks. Yeah. They haven't performed in America. I, I'm not gonna say ever, but it's been a very long time. No, definitely and not ever, but yeah, it's been a while. Uh, 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 definitely a while. I bought tickets for a six months ago. That yeah. got canceled. Uh Passover with my friends, with my family got canceled. It looks like Khabib versus Ferguson got canceled. No. I had to I had to leave my jujitsu school. I'm I'm working from home. I'm doing school from home. The the magic set I want I was looking forward to play in real life got postponed. Mm -hmm. And and Eric Andre Bad Trip got postponed for release indefinitely. Yeah. Black Widow, Black Widow which I'm not as excited about as Bad Trip is indefinite. And one of the only good things is that Eliz Eliza Hitman's never rarely often, never rarely, always often is, is having its streaming premiere this week, but her movies really are better as a cinematic experience. Sure. Regard I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see that. Not just cause she's a, a favorite and a, a friend of, of the show, hopefully future guest. But I got like a really kind of cool cryptic text from John Cribbs a couple of weeks ago. He had seen it 
and he was just like, uh, he said something. Oh, I wish I could find that text right now. But he said he he used the term spicy in terms of like you should see it. It gets pretty spicy or something along those lines. So I'm I'm, I'm very excited to <clears throat> to see it. John John Cribbs is a good friend of mine, and he knows he he knows the directors I like. Like Eliza Hitman. He, he's been on the show uh, two times. Once yeah. solo and once um and once as a part of his part of his zebras right pink the pink smoke yeah and i do well maybe they want to come back on and do a do a zoom episode i don't know yeah that'd be awesome yeah oh wait let me not hold on i feel like you're what of course Oh, I'm totally misquoting him. That was about another movie. But he said, when he at, when Cribs asked if I'd seen it, he said, you know, you're a supporter of her work. You should get in on this somehow. And I was like, oh, yeah. So. Yeah, because, like, considering what the movie's about, it's never rarely, sometimes, always. It's about abortion, from what I understand. So so I was like, did John really use the term spicy? No. So let me clear. So I, I've, I, yeah, I've, I've cleared that up. I, I confused that with like a different text. So no, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, are we allowed to talk about John's job on the air? No. Okay. And that's just a general. I would say that to anyone unless they brought it up on here themselves. Fair enough. Because I yeah. just wanted to say i appreciate his ass anyways um of course and, and, and for everyone listening it's because he's a hitman and i've already said too much you should you know no he's eliza hitman <laughs> yeah. you get you dog you gave me that one yeah well you ever, sorry we're podcast have, together have you ever have you ever smoked pcp no not yet hi doug hi kirk uh, we have one. We have one piece of fan mail that I was supposed to read last week, but I forgot. And then mm -hmm. I would like to go into the proceedings this evening, which cool. which will which will revolve around Bruno Dumont's sequel to Young Young Joan. Uh, Jeanette. Jeanette. Although well, the official long time is Jeanette, the early life of Joan of Arc, or the young life and, of Joan of Arc. And the sequel that will Joan of be Arc. Joan of Arc. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, it 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 turned. It appears that our subscription to Ovid has ended. Well, they don't sponsor us anymore, <laughs> so that's fine. Yeah. We got an email from John Arminio, the best uh, guy. Yeah, he sent me a postcard the other day. Just, hey, how's everything going? Literally, I have it. I have it under one of my turntables. Dude, John, what do I got to do to get a postcard? If you if we become postcard <laughs> oh, buddies, I'll send you. Uh, dude, I'm a good postcard buddy, and I want to bring pen pals back into the world, and also the rap group pen pals. I think uh, want to be on the show sometime this year, so that could be fun. Did I? I can't. You can stop me if I did. Did I tell you about the the cross country argument I got in the fifth grade? I got into like kind of an argument with a pen pal in Germany in the fifth grade over uh, like. Would G.I. Joe is better? Go on. <laughs> we had a pen pal system at my elementary school, and I got paired with this kid. I forgot what his name was, and it was just your typical, oh, hey, I like this, I like that. And then he was like, he didn't like this one particular G.I. Joe. 
was and, it, you know, like, and then like was weeks later, Bar- was it Baroness? No, no, no. But I remember the, being the, oh, ger- the German one. Yeah, no, that that's why I, I laughed the way I did. But it was just a casual. I was like, well, so it was like weeks later, and my response, well, I happen to think it's better. So, and then like he was like, well, I don't think it's like that. And then I was like, well, why don't you like that? It's actually good. It's better than the ones that you said. And it just went back and forth. It was really weird. But uh, yeah. Or maybe I took, took GI Joe's very serious. Maybe she's from Russia. I don't think she's actually German, the Baroness. But yeah, you know that was in the, my in the movie. In the movie, for those who actually remember the first one, she's American, and she was oh, Cobra yeah, Commander. Sienna Miller was Joseph Gordon-Levitt's sister, and he became Cobra Commander, and she became Baroness. Yeah, I for those were those were weird movies. I saw that in the theater. I was like, because again, G.I. Joe's are were just a big part of my life. I love all action figures, but G.I. Joe's will always be number one. And it was like, this is, a, they're, they're really making a G.I. Joe movie. Like it wasn't good, but it's like, sometimes it's like, I have to see this on the big screen. And, and I did, and I saw it and, and that was that. The sequel was insane. Yeah, yeah it was. Like and I, it, it was in a lot of production hell before it even came out, too. It came out a while after it, you know, it was supposed to. You watch it and you're like, is this real? Yeah. It's very much on that like Batman Returns vibe, but yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, it way, is. But way more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I I I because I sure. I'm not one of, I'm not one of those Batman and Robin apologists. I think it's a weird movie, but yeah. G.I. Joe 2, the, the, was insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was, was, was your German friend saying that his favorite character was Hotwire? Because no. Hotwire, Hotwire is from Germany. Oh, okay. I like, no. I like Hotwire. He's the bat, he's the bat mechanic from Laudingen. That's probably how he sounded, though, punk. Little punks, like, which G.I. Joe do you like better, Marcus? <laughs> okay. Do you oh you're from you're from America, Marcus? Did yeah. they have curry verse there? Anyways. Um <laughs> so John Arminio, dear zebras, thanks so much for the shout out on your quarantine episode. I appreciate you thinking of me in such a positive light especially in these times when our minds can be occupied by life stresses coming at us from all directions. I loved your discussion of Desert Island music and film. Your expertise in film and hip hop is always a joy to listen to. And it finally inspired me to listen to Black Alicious. And I am listening to Nia as I type this. It's pretty goddamn great. Thank you. Best one in, in, in my slash our opinion. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's the best Black Alicious album. Yeah. Yeah. There are, there are songs in other records. I think Gift of Gab's first solo album is pretty damn good. Oh, from that's, a rap, it's excellent. But from, from a, a production rap, standpoint too, it's, a, it's really good. From a rap perspective, the, the, the production is more like beat oriented where Nia is more like album oriented. So I think Nia is a yeah, better, okay, a more okay. cohesive record, but, but Gift of Gab's rapping on fourth dimension rocket ships going up when he yeah. starts like in one breath and if you ever seen him perform live 
he does this thing when he's doing the really fast rapping where his he's using his hand like almost like he's like like doing a finger roll and, and it's like the power that allows him to 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 rap wow he i've so i've seen him live solo and and at, with black delicious as, as a group and i'm immediately reminded percy p is another one that has like the finger like he holds the microphone and then with his other fingers he it's almost like he's playing the microphone like a trumpet like if you watch his fingers it's very there's like a, a there's a, a, a similarity there and in and in fact when i went to see black delicious i've seen black delicious perform six or seven times oh nice i've seen gift of gab perform two or three times cool and one of one of the times there was a performance he brought percy p on the stage no did you really yeah percy p was standing outside the venue and as he was wont to do and was he selling tapes i'm sorry yes he was okay then i'm not sorry you're not throwing shade percy p (laughs) is is a legendary you know one of Bronx those rapper. legend who who probably has been mentioned on this podcast more than any other rapper possibly. besides Makami. As you so, say it, possibly, yeah. Yeah. Possibly. You're stopping me. Eating that pasta beat. You gotta be. Smoking okay. that Rasta weed. Um so he's a legendary hawker of sell of of music outside of record stores. That was his that that was his that was his business. You know, all the other legendary New York rappers that well, legendary rap salesmen followed that, followed his his lineage. So he had they they invited him on stage and he rapped and Gift of Gab was like, a lot of y'all don't even know that you got this style from this dude. In fact, I think I've told this story on this podcast. Oh, that's awesome. I, I, no, I would have remembered. So I don't think he epi- did. I don't think he I'm, did. I'm not, I'm pretty sure I did, but we have so no. many episodes that it doesn't really, it doesn't even really matter at this point. You know, uh, I, I had to take a break from listening to Joe Rogan right now because he's, he's telling the same like six stories every episode about saunas and Jeffrey Epstein and and radical feminism and stuff is just like a little too much. But back to John Arminio. Yes. The episode made me think about my own lists. And while I think I have a list of Desert Island rap albums, I feel totally out of my depth when selecting from that genre. So if you will allow me, I'll provide my Desert Island heavy metal albums, as I am least ignorant about metal as compared to other genres. Nile and their darkened shrines, Metallica, Master of Puppets, Type O Negative, October Rust, Mastodon, Crack the Sky, Iron Maiden, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, Honorable Mentions go to Judas Priest, Painkiller, and Gojira, From Mars to Syria, no, Painkiller by Judas Priest, and Gojira, From Mars to Sirius, which might make it to my list if you ask me next week. Well, as I've only heard of two of those albums, I will try to listen to them I like the new liturgy liturgy album. Again, many thanks for the wonderful podcast. And and our our guest from last week, uh, Frank the Tank A. Smith, probably has thoughts about Desert Island Metal as well. Oh, those guys Uh, are buddies, man. Oh, that's good to know. Oh, I think we said that. I don't know. They um they uh, at uh so former guest of the show Alana Levine 
uh, was and John Arminio were two of the uh, panel of people who did a, a Kevin Geeks out on Shock Rock once. And John did a real John did a, a really good presentation on on White Zombies, um, the album that came out in 1993, 94, the one with all the numbers in it came out when I was in the seventh grade. And uh, I think that's where they met the first time, him and Frank. But on Facebook, um, I, I know you're not on Facebook, but those guys are buddies uh, talking music and stuff on Facebook all the time. Le Sex or Sisto Devil Music, Volume 1? That, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that, sound, that sounds cool. And what else from them? I, I didn't finish this stuff. Again, many thanks for your wonderful podcast. I wish you both the best of health. Fingers crossed. May all your film watching be rewarding and may your music listening be inspiring. Your internet compatriot, John Arminio. All right. Thanks, man. So do you wanna do you wanna get into the main feature of this evening? Uh <clears throat> yeah, let's do it. It's um Bruno Dumont's latest film, um, the second in a, a, a two-part saga about uh, Joan of Arc. And this one, this second film, uh, we pick up on Joan of Arc, where a lot of uh, classic and not-so-classic Joan of Arc films began, where it kind of starts where she's uh, leading the army, leading into her trial and all that stuff. But just if, if I could real quick go back to Jeanette, uh, the, the first film, and as I, I kind of, I, I quickly said this in, in my quick little review that, you know, that I posted a few days ago, this latest movie, Joan of Arc, makes Jeanette a little more impactful because unlike any other movie, at least any prominent one that I can think of from Victor Fleming's, uh, Carl Theodore Dreyer, Brisson, even the Luke Brisson, the one with Mila Jovovich, every major Joan of Arc movie starts like, boom, she's fighting people and now right. she's being e e executed. Whereas like Bruno Dumont, I'm not going to say it's the first because I'm sure that there could be a random Joan of Arc movie I don't know about. <clears throat> there's, but this there's is a many, movie... There's many Joan of Arc movies. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. This is know, the first one that where we got the young... Her, an entire movie, not like not, not, not even a section of the entire movie was about young Joan of Arc, her spiritual awakening and all that stuff leading into this next film. So that already kind of, it just... Which 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 makes for a good sequel in that it it um it brings out more of more of the previous film. It kind of makes you go back and want to rewatch the previous film, or makes you rethink or like think more deep about it. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a I like it a lot more now. When I first saw it as a pre and when not realizing that it was part of two films, it was you know this very lusciously sparse character drama about a young girl receiving visions that was also like a metal techno musical yeah where where this movie this which is a sequel to the medical musical uh the music is it's less of a musical there's musical numbers yeah it the music the music is less silly but it's it's very gorgeous and luscious and yeah oh yeah and i like that so in the first one it's developing you know the the hundred year war is almost at a hundred years it which is which is between what we know as france and england and 
Joan, the maid of Orline, starts getting these visions and starts fighting in the name of God. And she had visions of God to stop the Hundred Year War. And this movie, Joan of Arc, is, is really about the, the war in between the breaths, you yeah. know, because because it's really got two parts. There's, in a way, there's there's half of it feels like a uh, Shakespearean play about war, and the the other half is a catechistic courtroom drama. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And you have like you have these these. Uh, you know, you askew you askew large casts and these war scenes that other Joan of Arc movies have, and you also have a young person play Joan of Arc because people forget that Joan of Arc was like sixteen when she died. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna comment on that too. When you have like you know a twenty or Sarah and Mila Jovovich's case, she was in her thirties when she played Joan of Arc. It's kind of like I get I, and I get what older films are trying to do. It's like when you make someone slightly older, but I think now that, you know, so many unofficial rules have been, you know, changed in film, it's like, no, let's get an actual 16 year old. And also the same child from the first film, which is also kind of cool too, because you see, you literally see her grow between two films in, in a matter of two years. Yeah, which I thought was, which I thought was really cool. And this actress just really, she she's just very she doesn't she doesn't overact she doesn't underact she just she just does her thing she's yeah. very straight she's yeah. very to the point and you know i really like that about her and i really like that about her performance performance is you know just very uh, not understated not overstated and i i don't even i think she's got to be i don't think she's 18 years old no she's know? not she actually she's 16 or 17 i i, I believe but so i just go... thought that I, I just thought that was really dope that they did that um yeah. and all of, instead of having these gigantic war scenes most of it oh there's going to be spoilers but if you don't know the story of joan of arc you know I don't know. So much happens off screen, so you feel like there's this there's this play where where you don't really need to see the violence. Instead of using violence, he Dumont uses tone and music and environment to convey the feelings of war. the The mm -hmm. cinematography of the pre-trial is luscious, bright thoughtful yep. but also bare and it's conversations there is just people talking yeah this is what we're going to do this is what's going to happen and and then when she gets caught you just it's implied you know yeah yeah what were you going to say about that's like she's one of the you know don't get me wrong you know <clears throat> in in somewhat recent years for a couple of films you know bruno demont has worked with you know like Juliette Binoche and, and a couple of, uh, of other folks even before then like 29 Palms um 
he's worked with um, Katerina Golubeva. But generally speaking, Bruno Dumont's whole thing is using non-professional actors. And some t he's one of my favorite filmmakers. Sometimes it doesn't work, but a lot of times it does work. And I think this might be top two performances in a Bruno Dumont film from like a non-professional actor. I know you've seen Slack Bay and I know you've seen, have you seen like his 90s stuff yet? I'm still learning, man. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I don't want to give because I, because I, I do remember this specifically. It wasn't that long ago. I urged you really badly to see his 2014 film, Lil Kin Kin. I know, but it's I, 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 never, which, I, I couldn't. So find I don't want to pile on. No, I'm just saying I don't want to pile on. Oh, I'll, 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 I'll send you something. But um, that you're gonna love. But that, that's, that's you'll, you'll see when you if you start from day one, which we, we've got time, but we'll be around for a while. Like that's very much his um, <clears throat> thing, which always kind of throws me off when or worries me if someone discovers a more recent Bruno Dumont film first, and they'll be like, "What the hell is this?" But it's like it's almost he he's in the same he's like a second cousin to Hal Hartley. I mean, they're both inspired by the same people from Brisson to Godard and 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 people like that. Oh, so I do see yeah. that how how like their their acting is like not over the top it, yeah. it feels their acting feels like you and me are talking and it's it's not not dramatic in fact the fact that it's not that it's very understated gives it more depth in my opinion right you know, yeah yeah I, I i agree i i absolutely agree it's almost it's this interesting well you you've said it in so many words it's like watching this predetermined thing that's going to happen but they still manage to keep your like attention. Like this is going to happen. This is what we're going to do. This is the thing, but it's, you're still kind of intrigued by it. And you still want to see it played out, even though they're so matter of fact with everything that's going to happen. You know, Tr truth by Hal Hartley is one of my favorite movies. Oh yeah. And it's really just this runaway falling for a deeply damaged person and that falling apart. Yeah. But the way it's done is just so lyrical and poetic and sad and colorful and dreary. And something you told, I'm sure we talked about, is that that film and The Unbelievable Truth were original inspirations for Kevin Smith's yep. clerks, whom he thanked Hal Hartley in the credits for Clerks and apparently said that Hal Hartley wasn't very nice to him when he met him. But, you know, I recommend to not meet your heroes. Though sometimes, sometimes they, sometimes they, you know, surprise you, but. I was going to say, I, I, I met both David Lynch and Jim Jarmusch uh, in, and I've, I've met Claire Denis through the phone and all three, they were all lovely experiences, but. I've had other outside of the film world, like especially like say in hip hop or the turntableist world, where it's like, oh, I wish I never met you. I really wish I never met you, <clears throat> or had to spend time with you, or be on the road with you, or do a show with you. So I'm kind of stuck with you for a little while. So I, I don't want to be a bro with you, or go on the road with you, or do a show with you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna name names, but there's definitely times where I've met people that I looked up to, and and. I didn't afterwards, and then sure. sometimes, but also it's it's complex, right? Yeah. So, and 
it's too bad because you can clearly see in the early work of Kevin Smith that 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 inspiration really worked where he doesn't use that sort of dialogue anymore and that that to me was something that affected Jay and Silent Bob reboot I just I know I know I know this would have never happened but if he had someone co-write and co-direct that movie I think it could have been better I'm, I'm had, seeing and reading that more and more oh I'm not alone are you kidding you're 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 in the majority sir on that one because i just thought it was a missed opportunity yeah did you end up seeing it no but i'm i I have the list it's like i i i want to see dark waters first uh i still want to see little women i i have a little list it's like four or five movies but i'll 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 see it it's at the bottom but it's still on the list it's it's on it's on amazon now for free i saw oh i didn't realize the free part okay yeah, you don't have to pay for it. And dude, I not this episode, I don't think, because I think I I don't remember who I don't remember the movies we said we were gonna talk about with them to me. I know one of them was Invisible Man. Maybe it was Invisible Man and No, it was Invis- Invisible Man. Oh no, it was both it, it was. It was both is Invisible Man and, and Watchmen we were gonna save for him. But I also really need to talk to both of you on record, because we've talked about it in real life about sorry we missed you yeah yeah we do movie has a lot more meaning now what what do you oh because of because of uh, because of the financial crisis we're about to have or yeah yes but the fact that long before but but as i say in in the little another quick review because I'll say a lot of my a lot of my reviews for new movies on Pinland have have changed, uh, understandably, because now I have a podcast, so I don't want to blow my load. But as, as I say, it's like just because of what happened these last few weeks, that movie, the issues in that movie are, are they're, they're day one issues. So like when a lot of people like on Twitter who've seen Sorry We Missed You are like, oh, this is such a prevalent movie to this time, and it's just like this. No, it's not. It's it's a prevalent movie to just like year one you know what i'm saying when it comes to labor and how powers and money is are, are distributed so don't don't just put it on covid and layoffs and unemployment no, now it's it's, is, it's it's a day one problem this is one of the most it's one of the most biting attacks on capitalism and workforce culture i've ever seen yeah right right now it might be my favorite movie of the year um but let's get back to Joan of Arc because another favorite movie all, of the year. I think we have the it. two of the. I think our two favorite movies of the year are the same thus far. Right. I, I haven't seen a lot though, mm-hmm. but my my list this year is is shorter than than last year last March. But things pick up. You never know. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Joan of Arc is, you know, uh, so. At the beginning of this episode, I quoted uh, Simone Weil, who was a philosopher and mystic who I've been really fascinated with recently. So it was very interesting that you know she she was a French person, and she was a, a leftist political activist who sided with union leading thoughts. Lived. Are you like? Are you like chopping things or something? No, sorry, I was trying to drink water quietly, and I guess you heard the 
the gallon. Sorry, I'll stop. Yeah, it's all good. ASMR, ASMR, ASMR. You know, so she lived like an almost monastic mortification, self-mortification life. So wherever she lived, she was unwilling to live on more than the poorest, than on the, the wages and food given rations, rations of the poorest workers where she was. And what uh, believed in reevaluating and constructing commentary on science, religiosity, and politics. So, mm -hmm. so she she started as like a political thinker, but towards the end of her life, she's also well known for for her mystic leanings because she was totally interested in Jesus, but was afraid to to receive communion because of some of her issues. I, anyone listening, I, I'm telling you, check her out. There've been a lot of podcasts recently about her and uh, a movie came out a couple of years ago that I've not yet seen called An Encounter with Simone Weil that I highly, that I highly suggest. And she, she connected to the Christ and Jesus because of the, for how some narratives find that Jesus's thoughts to be inherently social in in his ideas you know like let's let you know sharing and community and getting rid of money lenders and so that was where she was at right and I've read I've been reading a lot of her and her unpacking of Joan of Arc she looked at her as someone who who was righteous one of the few righteous one some of the few righteous religious people that's but also has been man, manipulated as propaganda like a a force field to hide nationalist idolatry a superhero for france like uh you know for many of for many her martyrdom and religiosity was lost on national identity even though she herself believed in her national identity, but she was more than that. And Ve was able to, there's this great, this great reading I found where she was able to compare Joan of Arc to Arjuna of the Bhagavad Gita, who both uh, felt that their Dharma was connected to war, but in different ways. So, so, you know, we've been we've been talking about Dharma recently with with our episode about Steve Bannon. Yeah. And you know, Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc was had her Dharma. You know. Yeah. She was she she got visions and she was tried by English aligned clerics, burned at the cross at the age of seventeen. But then, not you know, later she was canonized and retried posthumously. And found innocent, and now is considered one of the great, you know, representatives of of France, as I said earlier, and and of religiosity. And yeah, I, you know, I think something about her, about Joan of Arc, is I wonder if, you know, what were her visions? Were her shaking? Was that psychiatry? Was that psychiatric? Was it was it epilepsy? Was it was it right. schizophrenia? Oh, shit. oh my god! Yeah. Oh man, because who knows what any of that shit was back then? 
Wow. Right. Or or was it religious ecstasy? Or is schizophrenia religious ecstasy? You know what I'm saying? And wow. I'm not the first oh, person man. to posit that. You know, we love reevaluating things that reevaluating things with with new context and new understanding, right? Yeah. So, wow. You know, someone who I think is also very connected in a way to to Simone Weil and Joan of Arc is Vincent Van Gogh, who mm-hmm. uh, my favorite film about Vincent Van Gogh is Pia Lott's film Van Gogh. But there's also been two movies about him recently that I've not seen. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's the Kirk Douglas one as well. But I like the way that Pia Lott handled that. Have you ever seen that one? Yeah, of course I have. Have you seen um, Vincent and Theo? No, is it good? Oh, it's really good. Well, you know, so. Oh man, it's Vincent. yeah, it's 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 quite good. It's, it's well, it's, it's a Robert it's the Robert Altman movie. You know, I one of the things actually one of the things that I've been planning on doing right now, especially now that I have Criterion Channel. Mm-hmm. is is slowly see all because Robert Altman you know there's if you ha- you have the Kurosawas and the Altmans and the the Bergmans yeah I just mentioned 120 movies yeah yeah right and if I and if I add Kurostami because I want to check out him too now we have 150 movies yeah right I think so, I, I think you'll find Vincent Theo interesting because it's like, well, it's a good movie since I've seen it. <clears throat> I saw it, I don't know, 15 years ago or something, my early 20s. But one thing I always struggle with because it's it's um, Tim Roth, who plays Vincent Van Gogh, and he's quite menacing at some point. Like you think of like, you know, him in Planet of the Apes or Rob Roy or Hoodlum, like he, Tim Roth, you know, for a while. I don't know about nowadays or even um, the Hulk movie. He's known for being the villain. So he kind of brings this villainous role to, to Vincent Van Gogh that I never associated with him. So I don't know. Sometimes I don't know if it was the wrong casting choice or if it was a unique kind of brilliant casting choice, which is why I, I think about that movie often. I so. think about the fact that Hoodlum was directed by Bill Duke often. Yeah, man. Had a good soundtrack, too. And, you know, because, like, Vincent Van Gogh is another person. Is like, if if he was... If he was if he was evaluated now, he probably had some sort of mental health needs. Probably, definitely, De- definitely, yeah. And it would be, but would he still make that art? And he also lived. He tried to live a monastic life. He was he was made fun of for wanting to sleep on the floor with poor people. He didn't think that if if poor people were sleeping on the floor, that other people should should sleep in beds. So yeah. this is, and that's the same thing with Joan of Arc. This is, trust me, I'm connecting it all, you know? And, but what's really wonderful about Joan of Arc, the Dumont movie, is the second half, which is when she's tried on trial. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's like the anti-Game of Thrones. It's just yeah, this... this it's just this beautiful cathedral filmed really well, just nice lighting and all of these priests and clerics and monks trying to, trying to, trying to like catch her in tricks, 
but she's too ill for that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's like, I'm not, she's like, nah. She's like, they're like, answer me. And she's like, no. And yeah. they they would trick her with 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 word tricks like, are you in God's favor is a famous one. And to answer, I'm not in God's favor would be to say that you're a heretic. But to say you are in God's favor would also be heresy because it would mean that you were that you were to assume that you were that you were that God favored you. So she said, if I remember correctly, and this is not with the internet, she said, if I am, I hope to continue. If I'm not, I hope to be one day. Yeah. Yeah. They couldn't catch her. And and her performance in it is just she's just clapping back and they're getting so mad. Even her physical, it's just weird to say in a movie like this, but her physical performance, the way she stays, she's very like strong like in in her stature and the way she carries herself like stands up straight like the way she like her body is straight but then she moves her head toward like she positions her head towards towards the 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 jury and just kind of holds it down like it's really stride like that's i I go but yeah i think it's one of the best performances again from a girl who's only been in two movies and to be honest most people that, that you know, the non-professional actors who work in Bruno Dumont's movies, they they don't usually go on to be in other movies unless he ma- does movies with them. So I don't know. It, it's interesting what her her future will will be in movies because she really killed it in in this one m- more so than in the first movie. Yeah, and I just also in the trial towards the end of the trial this this bishop with a with a beautiful high-pitched voice just starts <laughs> singing this like incredible ballad i want the soundtrack i'm I, like I, I, I'm, I, I'm like the too. last one the last one if i never saw that movie again i'd be okay God damn. oh sorry um no i'm just saying i didn't say no it's, it's how you feel i'm not saying don't say that like the the also you you yourself said like there there are movies that you don't need to watch again like you don't need to watch Slack Bay again and you love that movie. This is true. I I really like I said I watched that movie twice, three four years ago and I haven't. I the, the desire to watch it is always there, but it's kind of such a perfect movie to me. And I feel that way the older I get. When I was in my teens and my twenties, I watched movies like I watch it once and then I immediately I just watch it right again. But you know. The older I get, like you appreciate things more if you just watch it once or or at the most twice for the rest of your life. Like I don't see myself. Yeah, like I, I guess you're re- re- referencing a tweet that I did the other day. It's like, yeah, a movie like Slack Bay or Our Time, movies like that. It's like I don't have the need to watch them again because I just like that, you know. Right. Just how like, like I I never need to see Requiem for a Dream ever again. Sure. And it's a good movie. Yeah. But I don't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. come on. Of course. But also, the music was sillier. The music here is just like, like really good. Yeah, it got my attention. I was, I mean, you know, that first kind of droney, uh, hypnotic score comes out. I was paying attention, but then like I was paying extra attention once that. It's that early scene 
where they're doing the horses are doing the formation and they're circling around and then the score comes in and it's like whoa what is this i've never heard this kind of music used in a bruno demont movie before yeah it was like well i also like that it was anachronistic it, it was it wasn't a, a, a it wasn't totally orchestral no yeah which which i just thought was an interesting choice i enjoyed that choice right yeah, I was I was just more entranced with this one where where it was more it was more difficult for me to enjoy the original one, Jeanette. Though so sure. I did think it was I did think it was good. I did think it was good, but it wasn't on my top ten that year. Mm-hmm. Where where Joan of Arc is is in my is is easily in my top ten. It might be closer to the top. I don't know. No, there's yeah we're gonna get it's only been three months down who who knows what changes but i i like like you i i don't see this movie moving from from the top of my list <clears throat> along the story we missed you but we'll we'll get into that another time yeah i mean i don't even know what i'm excited for this year you know yeah. i don't even know what's what's really coming out i know i i mean i know there's the um that biscuit movie you were telling me about yeah yeah, Kelly Reichardt's new movie. I still want you to see that movie. And we have to have Carlo on as a guest. But anyway, we... Sh- um, I mean, have you seen Baccarat? Everyone's, everyone's kind of... Not yet, but it's, I recommend it's that. on my list. It's I on my list. Yeah, I, I recommend that. Um, no, I mean, you've seen Color Out of Space. Yeah, there, there's some... <clears throat> excuse me, there's some stuff. I mean, the new Arturo Ripstein movie, this Mexican film, it's uh, Devil Between the Legs. And I don't like being this guy, but it's definitely one of those movies where it's like, it's imagine if not, I'm just saying this to relate it to a a relatable movie that everyone knows, but it's like if a marriage story, if they never got divorced and grew old together. Interesting. But that could be applied to like real life. Yeah, it's like a couple, it's like, you know what? Y'all should have got divorced in your thirties, but for whatever reason you did it, now you're in your seventies, late seventies, and you're both just miserable, despicable people. And it's all rooted from the fact that you should have just divorced each other decades and decades ago, but you decided to stay together. And now you both want to kill each other, kind of literally. And, you know, there, and there's a lot of other stuff going on. You're and there's a, a cool supporting appearance. And he, he's not the main character, but there's also a cool, I, I forgot the guy's name, the main character um, from Zama and, you know, Solo con tu Pareja. He, he makes an appearance uh, in, in, in this, in, in a couple of scenes. He's really good in it too, but really, yeah. Uh, I saw it at Toronto last year, and it's it's one of those movies that's going to fall through the cracks. But it's very grueling. It, it's another one of those movies where I don't ever want to see it again. One, it, it's very good, but it's all it's so like grueling, and it just makes you n- n- miserable, which is kind of the point. But it's like, well, if that's I've seen it once, and 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 it affected me. I got it, but it's nothing I'm going to have like on standby by the DVD or Blu-ray player. Just oh, oh, oh well, let me pop this in. It's one of those things. Yeah, just seeing it once is, is 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 enough. But I mean that in a good way. You're not excited for Tesla or Terry Crews in John Henry? No, man. I thought that movie came out like two years ago already. That that that's, that's the movie with, with Ludacris. That movie's been made so long ago. But but no, I'm not excited. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, yeah, there, there there's other stuff, but there's stuff that's you know for like 2021 and 2022.
But um, who knows? A lot of stuff, you know, once things clear up and all this stuff goes away, who knows what, what stuff's going to come out in 2020. Yeah, I just hope I just hope Bad Trip, they decide to, to put that on streaming, bro. Right. That's 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 the the Lil Rel Tiffany Haddish Eric yeah. Andre Jackass, Jackass style. Movie. Well, more more Grandpa. Have you seen the Grandpa movie? I still haven't. But then it also it's like there's an what's it called kind of creeped into that genre too. You know, Impractical Jokers. That movie came out just before all this stuff, and I love Impractical Jokers. And even though the movie I looks to predictable, watch that show. I wanna... it's too much. It's too much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, which is why I like it. Like, it's very just like awkward and cr- cringeworthy sometimes, but that that's why I like a lot of the stuff that I like. The thing is, so of the three Jackass movies, Jackass 2 is the masterpiece. A thousand percent it is. Of course it is. Jackass 2 is the best one. Because it's got all these narrative arcs. It's really about this insanity and this man losing his mind. Yeah. Except, if I could just say one thing, you were, you were, I agree, Jackass 2 is the best, but the first Jackass has the black guy running out of the bank or the jewelry store when they do the fake robbery, which is one of the best, like, I guess you call it a, a documentary moment when, like, without hesitation, he just sprinted out of the store. You know this? You know the part I'm talking about where they fall through the ceiling? Yeah. And then every co, every single person just sits there like, what the hell's going on? But without, he didn't even, he just like, he ripped his headphones off and just ran out. And they had a camera positioned outside the store. And then to hear Johnny Knoxville and, and his legs like, oh shit, what happened? Like, they didn't expect that. Re- they, that was a genuine reaction. They didn't expect anyone to run out of the store. So, <laughs> which is so funny because when that movie came out, it kind of brought to light Cedric the Entertainer's whole bit in, um, the kings of comedy when he's talking about like when black people see something go down they even from afar they just don't hesitate and they just start running and it's like that scene in that movie kind of proved his proved his point to some degree so yeah but for me it's um i think what was the guy's name is aaron who the guy that that they're just totally like gaslighting into insanity, danger, Aaron. Danger. Where, where, um, where like uh, Jay Chandraskar fucks with him. Oh, what the hell is his name? Yeah, you're right. As soon as you said that, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, uh, Jay Chandra, Jay Chandrakar, the the mastermind of Broken Lizard. Yeah, is he on yeah. that show about firemen? They have a five. They have a show. Yeah, no, it, it's just two of the. Yeah, it's just two of the guys. No, it's not. I I don't think that's Broken Lizard related. Even though two of the guys from that troop are in that show. Yo, that show was funny. Like, What's that? Unfo- I said, yo, that show was funny. Even though, unfortunately, it's like you know, it'll be on at like Sundays at midnight or something. Like, it never has a good time. But that that that. But someone's watching it because it's on. It it just got renewed for another season. Right, like people are watching it. Yeah, I'm I'm one of them. But um yeah, it's 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 about that dude Aaron just losing his mind. Yeah. Amongst other things. And there's also so but Bad Grandpa took it to a new level because it has it has this it has the story. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has this. So you have these hilarious pranks plus this almost straight story. It's like it's David Lynch meets Spike Jones. Wow. Straight story, David Lynch. Not like all the time, David Lynch. Sure, all the time, David Lynch. That's funny. Yeah. No, I, I, I think I know what you mean. Also, you ever seen um, John Luke Godard's 1987 version of King Lear? Of course, I have. Not in a long time, but sure. I recently watched that on YouTube. Yeah. And I liked it. Yeah. No, it's a damn. You know what? So there's a. Uh, there's a scene in that movie that's very similar to. Um, it's it's written by uh, Peter, Peter Sellers. Oh oh that that I did not know. But there, there's a there's a Peter Greenaway movie called Night Watching, and there's a there's an exactly s- 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 similar scene. And I was like, oh, there's a and, well. Let me go back and watch this. So that's so that's that's what actually got me to go back and watch King Lear for the second time. Yeah, like ever if ever you you know that would be. Again, like Godard, like that's 70 movies. More, more than that. You know, I like that. A lot. (laughs) I like that we both posted photos of me with funny Zoom, with our funny Zoom backgrounds. Yeah. I was going to do the MLK picture that makes you uncomfortable, but I, I, I decided not to. Yo, you're making it sound like pictures of MLK make me uncomfortable. So you might have to describe why that picture makes me uncomfortable, Marcus. Nope, not doing it. All right. Well, actually, you know what? What's this that? Is what you're... Oh, you're ready to explain it? 